Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone out there trying to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can find me personally on Threads, Facebook, and Instagram at Justin Bizarro. Again, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. You can find this show and all the other shows we do on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So first, before I introduce our guest, he was also on the Justin Ryan Bizarro show. I've gotten to know him pretty well over the last, I don't know, maybe two months now. Quite an incredible human, quite an incredible bodybuilder. Okay, I don't know if that's the right term, but I will use that term. Quite an impressive entrepreneur and intrapreneur. So as I ask everyone, you guys are getting a lot of value out of these episodes across the world. This, this podcast is in over 140 countries, guys, in the audience. All of you, thank you. That's a lot. We're getting tens of thousands of downloads every day. Pretty impressive. Across 140 countries in the world, which is impressive because there's less than 200 countries in the world. Okay, so what does that tell us? That tells us that there's more food entrepreneurs in the world than any other profession. And I keep saying this, no matter how pressed a country is, including China, you have to have food entrepreneurs running mom and pop shops, running restaurants, running markets, okay? Freedom, independence, no matter how oppressive a government is or a society is, food entrepreneurs find a way to have independence and freedom. It may not always look as grand as in the United States or Uruguay or countries like that or some of the European countries, but it is a way for people to gain independence and freedom within their societies. So please, this isn't only to share an episode because you like the individual on the episode. It's also to share and spread this independence and freedom through being an entrepreneur, particularly in food. If we voted on a world scale, the food entrepreneurs, the restaurateurs, the farmers, we could change the world and societies as a whole. So with that being said, I'm going to jump right into our episode, Body by Brownies, with Justin Tidd from Charleston, West Virginia. How are you doing today, Justin? I'm great, yeah. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, you're very welcome. I mean, we know each other. I know your story from the Justin Ryan Bazaar show, but we're going to go all the way back to baby Justin, and we're going to talk about this is your show. I want to get your message out there to the world. You have a lot to say. As we discussed before the show, you, you're you lo- launching a new coaching platform also into, a, you know, not just fitness, but a whole lifestyle coaching. So I think this brownie concept is also you expanding, you know, into a broader entrepreneur, into a broader coach, uh, into a broader uh, nutrition space. So Let's figure this out. How did it all start? Let's talk about little baby Justin and how you got to where you are today. Okay, yeah, let's let's go way back. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a in a blue collar family, and uh, I guess this is where food kind of comes into play too. Um, so you know, grew up playing sports. I was athletic, and you know, my mom and dad, you know, they worked all the time. Dad having two jobs, mom would have one. We were at home a lot by myself, my brother and I. 
my grandma would come over sometimes, but you know, we, we spent the most of our time playing outside, um, playing sports. We really didn't have much, had four TV channels growing up. And, but my, but my mom was, I mean, she was a great cook, you know, from Southern West Virginia, you know, the South, the cooking is, is runs deep in our family. So she always made great food out of whatever we had. And, and that's, you know, most in the most part, it was unhealthy food, which I didn't know that then. I just ate what what I had because it was my only option. Um, but yeah, growing up playing sports and I always had this drive when I was like 12, 13. I, I really realized it. You know, I was kind of the black sheep of the family, but wanted to do something different. I, I just knew my life would be different one day. Didn't know how it would be. Um, but I knew, you know, growing up, you know, we, we weren't poor enough to get food stamps, but we were just above that. So we struggled a lot and, and to be able to have things or, you know, we, we wore a lot of secondhand clothes, things like that. But it, it built a drive in me to be something different, to have a life that, uh, you know, we currently weren't, were living. And when I was an adult and I had an uncle that was a, he was a vice president of a pharmaceutical company. It was my, my dad's sister's husband. So, you know, not really family, but he was, he married into the family. He flew my brother and I down to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, when I was 12 and, you know, we got there and I'm like, wow, first time flying. I was already excited about that. We flew by ourselves. You know, he paid for the, the escort to take us along and get into his house. Beautiful home. I don't know, but that time probably like a $1.5, $2 million home. Um, you know, had all the exotic cars, had the boats. And I was like, you know, wow, this is, this is my family. Like, you know, I'm scratching my head. Like I've never seen this. And, you know, being 12 years old, I was really um inspired and so i remember at that time that just drove me to figure out okay you know if if someone in my family has done this then i can do this because historically you know our, our people were just blue collar workers they showed up they worked hard and that's what they knew and uh so that that was kind of the moment i changed my thought process to you know drive forward whatever i was getting into i was going to be something different and so as I grew up, um, you know, got through school, got into college because I felt like I had to go to college at that time. You know, I'm I'm 40 now. So back then it was like you had to have a college education to get find a job after high school. It was almost required. And uh, so got my undergraduate degree in business and marketing. Went and got my master's degree because I was like, well, everybody has bachelor's degree. So I have to have a master's degree because how do I differentiate myself? I got a master's degree in business, and at that time, you know, I was I was coming into being an entrepreneur, working for a company in sales, and you know, started traveling East Coast USA. Worked my way up, basically every two years in the company. Worked there 16 years, and every two years getting promoted to being a chief sales officer and a board member of that company, and then selling you know over 300 million dollars of equipment and. Uh, all over the world. So over 30 countries, five continents. So, you know, that it was happening, you know, everything that I wanted from a kid had evolved and, uh, but it took a, uh, it took a divorce to really sit me back 
and really like make me look inside and say, you know, what's going on? You know, it was my second divorce. Uh, you know, I was unhappy. Um, I had to figure out, okay, I'm the common denominator. So it's two divorces. I'm the common denominator. So am I the problem? And, uh, and so I, I figured out that I didn't really love myself. I liked myself. I didn't love myself. And, uh, so that's when I got into bodybuilding. So I got into bodybuilding, uh, you know, went to a few national shows. So I've, I've placed up in top eight nationally now. And, uh, and started my own business. I started coaching, just relaunched my own life coaching business, and now launching Body by Brownies. And so that whole mindset, um, and I'm sure you want to take me into that, is to you know take my mom's southern cooking, which she's always made the best brownies that myself and anybody that's ever tasted them has ever tasted. And she was retired, and I said, "How can, can you make these?" healthy can you make these with high protein because if you can do that you're really going to disrupt this industry because most protein products are very chalky the ones that taste good are full of sugar so can we make them taste good without the sugar that that was my goal set out to her um so yeah it it was really really fun process and um she's always been one that, you know, I'm the baby, you know, my, my older brothers. And, and so he, he calls and checks on her. I, I, I struggle with that. So I got a, a note on my calendar to call her every Wednesday. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, so when I kicked off this business idea with her, I said, you know, can you do it? She, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. And it took us about a month. So I, I finally texted her one day and said, okay, you know, if you try to do this business with me, we will talk way more often. And she had the first set of brownies the next day. And so we talk every day since then. <laughs> That's awesome. I like this a lot. <laughs> so let me go back. Let's anchor your uh, entrepreneur experience a little bit. You were in a mining mm -hmm. company, I believe, um, and you mm -hmm. rose up to an executive and a member of the board of directors, if, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly from our other episode. Tell me a little bit about the drive. What, what was driving you in that company? I mean, it's interesting because I can't, in, in my head, I can't correlate mining and food and bodybuilding. But then again, I'm in food and then I'm in clothing and I'm in TV. And there's probably not a lot of correlation between all the things that I do either. But just from an outside perspective, um, what... You know, what is it that your your what is it that your experience was? How did you make your way in a company versus I mean, I understand as an entrepreneur, but I think for the audience it's a little bit different climbing the corporate ladder in the way that you have. So will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um I I was always I, I had some insecurities. So like I was saying, like when I got that second divorce and found myself, you know, when I was growing the company my goal was to be right, just a straight up killer, go out, get all the sales, make money, right? I was motivated by money. And then 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 it kind of fell into like motivated by money and power because I was wanting to grow in the company. And so those those kind of drove me. But I, I always remember thinking I wanted to be a really good number two. I wanted to be like a vice president in the company. I wanted to be the, the right-hand man to the president or the CEO. 
And because I was fighting my own insecurities of risk, that was really what it was. Because I didn't, I wasn't comfortable enough being the guy, being the number one, being the owner. And um, so that always just drove me. I wanted to win. I was always competitive. Um, so I just, you know, head down, got into sales. You know, as a number one sales guy, sacrificed my family, sacrificed time to be on the road to sell equipment to learn. Uh, and grew two years, then I ran our one of our components divisions. And so I just had this hunger, you know, just to keep going forward. I, I wanted that number two spot. And so <clears throat> I ran a components division, then uh, promoted a director of sales and marketing, and then promoted chief sales officer after that. And um, at that time, they had never had an officer of the company that was younger than 35 but I was promoted at 31 in which they even, they, they threw it in my face actually. Now oh, you're too young. Now oh, you're too young. And I said, the role is this, the responsibilities is this, this is what you require. Here's what I'm bringing to the table. So I remember after the second time they told me that I built a 30, 60, 90 day plan. Then I built a one and three year plan of when I take the job, this is what I'm going to do. And I sat down and showed it to them. And they said, okay, you're ready. So, I mean, for me, it was just like that competitive spirit, do whatever it took to get where I needed to be. And that was, at that time, that was that number two spot. Now, I didn't know I was insecure at the time. I didn't know I was afraid of the risk. Um, I just knew I wasn't ready. And then, you know, ultimately... Years later, once I found out I was ready, I could look back and I realized that was my issue. I like this a lot. So, I mean, I'm writing notes here galore because I'm like, I, the, you're giving me like nuggets of information just for me personally. Also, let's talk about the building of a plan because most people don't even know how to do that how did you go about building these 30 60 90 day plans in this one two three year plan like how did you visualize it because it's also relevant to an entrepreneur yeah i think so so many people get lost or you know the paralysis by analysis they say there's so much out there there's so much data there's so many things how can i take it and break it down um, and then they're afraid of the risk or they're afraid of making the wrong decision. Um, in all reality, being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, I mean, you know, they always say diamonds are created by pressure and you don't get that pressure unless you're going through the process, unless you're making mistakes. That's where we all learn the, the most. We don't learn when we're winning. We learn from the mistakes we make. And so, you know, get focused on a plan. Don't let the data confuse you too much. So for me, I look at three years. I make a three-year goal. Now I say, okay, here's my three-year goal. Here's where I'd like to be. Now that may only be like 10 or 15 things, maybe 20, no more than that. And in all reality, I might only achieve three or four things of that 20 in three years, but I'm okay with that because it's still a goal. It's still a vision. But what I'm more um, what's more important to me is that one-year goal. So I take the one-year goal which is usually 10 to 15 things. And then I take that and I reverse engineer it into the year. So I take a spreadsheet. I put every month on the spreadsheet. I take my goals and I backload them up into the year. So I bet I'll break that down into 30 days, 
60 days, 90 days. Here's the goal. Here are my actionable items that I have to do to reach that goal. And then what happens is you'll find by doing it this way, at least for me, from the start of the year, I will accomplish all of my annual goals typically by May or June. So now I've got the next half of the year to make new goals. And so I can accomplish what I want to in 12 months and six, but that's focusing on, you know, only the main things. And so many people will get, you know, life's going to happen. Work issues are going to happen. Employee issues are going to happen. You know, equipment's going to break. Things like that are going to get in the way of what you want to do. And, you know, they always tell you, you know, when you're running a company or CEO, 80% of your time are going to be, you're going to deal with people. So 80% of your time you're dealing with organizational behavior rather than, you know, being able to work on the goals or creativity or expansion. And so deal with the things as they come up, but make it like, say if it's daily or weekly, then all I'm doing, I take my top 10 items Actually, I use the Eisenhower time management approach, and then I take my top 10, and I focus on that 100%. So top 10, I knock those off. I'm good. If I don't get a lot of other stuff done, but I know at least I accomplished the things I had to do because a lot of people just get overwhelmed when issues arise, and then they anxiety comes in or depression comes in. They feel like I'm not accomplishing anything, but just break those down in small pieces and focus on the small things. Next thing you know, that one year you accomplish in six months, set new goals. Now you can even pull some of that three year into that one year if you want or make new goals that now that the six months has passed. And then you're setting yourself already up for the second year. It's interesting because I agree with you on that. And you've got to have um, it's almost humility with yourself or understanding that you can't accomplish everything. And I do find this. I, I'm, a, I'm the same. I have 10 things for my day, and that doesn't include my fitness. Uh, my fitness is a different category. But I generally, and I run multiple companies plus multiple podcasts and rebuilding you know, quite a, a business here and, and restarting my life. But one of the things I do very well is I just, if I get through the 10 things and I, I'm have, I'm a, I've done all my fitness, and I still have time, meaning not time that I need, that I want, not need, want to spend with my family. I can generally take off, take on some more tasks or get ahead on my tasks for whenever, like you said, I can truncate, you know, an entire year down to six months or three months by doing this method. But I don't get stressed out about anything beyond the 10 tasks. Mm-hmm. And even that, I they're not so overwhelming that I get stressed out about. I think so many people put so many things on the tasks or things that aren't really tasks on their task list. Uh, they're, they're merely goals. And, and people write, oh, I've got to, you know, save up blah, blah, blah amount of money. Well, that doesn't belong on a task list, okay? Mm-hmm. If you need to save up how much money, how much money per day is that that you need to set aside, okay? that's And if you break it down by a per day basis when you're doing every individual task, you will actually save money. But I don't find that individuals that try to think about life like I got to save this much per month generally are successful savers over a lifetime. Okay, that's just an example. Everyone to tie tie it away, you will save a lot more money if you set a daily goal of what you're going to save or move into a savings account. And you actually physically move the money and get in that habit 
every day of doing it, the money will come. Your businesses will get bigger. Your bank accounts will grow larger. Okay? So it's the same idea with your tasks. you got to break down things to Justin's point. Take a year, truncate it down into months, and then those months into days. And I find that to be, where am I going? What do I need to do today? And it's baby steps a lot of the time on a daily basis that stack up the difference between me or and Justin and a lot of other individuals is we don't take rest days. We have tasks we accomplish every day and we put them in bite-sized pieces so we accomplish them. Everyone else tries to achieve the whole eat the whole cookie or in this case the whole brownie in one day and then move on to a different, you know, set of food the next day. No, I'm literally nibbling the brownie and the whole pan of brownies throughout a year. And so it's an achievable progress. It's there's no perfection. Perfection would be okay, get this task done, done over with for my goal. No, goals you have to keep nibbling away at them, the big ones especially and then breaking them down into smaller goals and then breaking them down into tasks. So I like this a lot. I'm 100% uh with you on the Eisenhower time management by the way. And again, if I don't get attached to outcomes, okay? I achieve the task for the sake of constantly moving forward towards my goals. Sometimes I have to pivot. Sometimes they change. Either way, my I am always in this micro task standpoint of achieving what I need to on a regular basis, okay? That's how I, I built a company that did multiple tens of millions of meals a year across the country. You know, it's just the little baby steps. So, very, I love this. Let's talk about sales a little bit. You touched upon it. You were in sales. I think that you have salesmanship. Like, talk to me a little bit about why, what is the skill set you think is required or, or the skills you think a human needs to gain or acquire uh, in order to be good at sales? Because I think it is something in your background and something you are very good at. You know, <clears throat> Whether, whether people realize it or not, they're all salespeople. Men, women, kids are the best salespeople, right? And, you know, we, we all are, whether, you know, we, our, our job function is a cook, for instance, not really a salesperson that's not in their title. But, you know, when you're at home and you have children or if you have a wife or a husband, you know, Sometimes you want them to do something for you, or sometimes you want to do something that they don't want to do, or you negotiate over dinner or something. What, whatever the topic is, you still find yourself selling to someone. And so I, I kind of take that as when we're in a company, you have, you have external customers and you have internal customers. So I have customers that on the external that, yeah, I have to sell my product to. But I also have internal customers that work for me that I have to sell them on the vision and the core values and everything that's that's going to build this company up. So it's daily task of maybe their place full, but you need them to do something. And that's a that's a conversation of, you know, here's a situation. Here's what's going on. Can you help me do this? I'm selling that person internally. And so I think sometimes people think all oh, sales or you know, sales sometimes get the, uh, I want to say the, you know, the black eye or something of it because gimmicky salespeople or, you know, car salespeople, things like that. 
So I think naturally, like as a professional, uh, it's it's a really fun job. It's it's one of the most rewarding jobs. It's flexible. Um, it's fun. But for me to be able to grow and increase sales, you know, my, my background is predominantly in, in heavy equipment, uh, which requires it's kind of a niche. So it requires more relationships. Um, so for me, it's it's very relationship driven of understanding someone uh, understanding their background, their family, what do they like to do, what they don't like to do, you know, what kind of, um, are they introvert, are they extrovert? Because you got to talk to people differently. And in sales, it's understanding the person that's in front of you. Uh, if if they're a introvert, low-talking, slower-talking person, they don't like to be, you know, don't waste my time, just give me the technical details and get out of my way. Well, you can sell that person by giving them exactly what they want. Just understand their personality, understanding the behavior to be able to help them. Because at the end of the day, we're just providing a service and add value to their life by being able to serve them. Uh, and then you got somebody, maybe they like to joke and you know, laugh and you know, they'll sit there and want to talk to you for an hour. Well, you got to spend that time with them because at the end of the day, you're building a relationship either way it goes. So it's almost like being a chameleon when you work to build relationships because you have to understand them. Because at the end of the day, if we all think about the people in our circle, we like people that are like us. And so as a customer, when you're selling them and trying to build a relationship, you almost have to figure out, okay, how can I be one of those people in their circle that they trust, that they like? And if you can do that, actually selling them is not difficult whatsoever because when they're ready to buy they're going to buy from you because you've created loyalty and trust um and you're valuable to them because what i always tell customers once i build that relationship is listen you're going to have a problem and i just want to be the person you call when that problem arises because when you call me you know i'm gonna take care of it and you can go about your day you're busy i get it but you don't have to think about calling and checking up on me I will get back to you. I want to be the, the salesperson that won't let you down. And so to be able to think about sales that way, it's always been um, it, it's it's created a lot of success for me. It's interesting because I I love this because and we I usually it's like business development for me client relations I tie the I try to not use the word salesperson because I want everyone to understand that you're developing business over a lifetime. And you're managing a client, basically, even if it's a customer. Like, so you know. But one of the things that I anchor and I agree with you is the opportunity attitude. Okay, that means that doors open for us when we least expect them, and they're not always in an initial quote-unquote sale. We have to be opportunity attitude, meaning we're leaving a door open all the time. If the door is never open, there's no opportunity. So that means building relationships. That means, like you said, spending time with people, actually caring about them and their families, getting to know them, being a good human. And so like those things, I think, really matter in salesmanship. Uh, for lack of a better term. And if you're just selling like a door-to-door salesman, for lack of a better term, or a car salesman, you're trying to do a deal, it doesn't always work. But I will tell you for like 20 years of my life, I dealt with the same salesperson 
at Ford Motor in Frederick, Maryland, even when I wasn't living there. Because why? He actually built a relationship with my family, even from when I was a kid. So even his relationship with my family went back before that. He knew what soccer teams I played on. He knew what my stepkids were doing. He knew what countries I was going to. He knew everything about us. And even in years we didn't buy a single car from him, he still communicated with me on a monthly basis and touched base. Or any time he knew we were coming in for an oil change, he'd make note to come see me when we were dropping off the cars. He knew. Mm -hmm. He coordinated that. He wasn't just like, okay, they're getting their service out the door. No, he came and said hello to me, even if it was for five minutes. You know, Mm -hmm. his name is Charlie. I'll give him a shout out. But he really was a model of the relationship building, you know? Mm -hmm. And how many people showed up for him when he had a battle with cancer was just crazy, Okay, like it was just mind boggling to me how many people he had built relationships through by just doing his quote unquote job. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just want to anchor that for everyone in the in the um, in the audience because I think that that's important in what we're talking about. Let's sure. jump- let me give you one more tip real quick for yeah, a salesperson or anybody anybody trying to do relationships. There, you you deal with a lot of people, and it's very hard to keep up with all those people. So over time, you learn them. It takes years, right? But on the front end, I keep a contact list in my in my phone, and every time I learn something about that person, as soon as I leave the meeting, I go on their contact and I put it in the notes. Before I go back to the next meeting, I review my notes. So I remember everything I know about this person. So that way, you know, they know like, wow, he's really thinking about me. And I ask about their kids by name, all of those things. Because sometimes it is when you deal with hundreds of people. It's hard to remember that. So that's a, a sales tip kind of hack that I use that, uh, that yeah, make sure that they know they're on the front end of your mind. Yeah, I, I like that a lot, actually. And uh, and people know. People can tell. I can tell. You can tell. Anyone in the audience listening, you can tell when someone's actually investing in you and cares about you. So mm-hmm. let's go into this how like why bodybuilding where did it come from like the insecurity thing I totally get that I get the even hating myself at some point and not loving myself and and how destructive that can be in terms of not achieving your goals or your ambitions but talk to me about bodybuilding why that where did this sort of spark come from and and where you know and what I mean I don't even know how did you begin you know, I, I mentioned I was, you know, athletic always, lifted weights, you know, I thought I was doing it properly, things like that. And then when I really got into that, you know, really um, self-reflection and got my body right, I still wasn't thinking bodybuilding. I, I mean, you know, technically, I guess it's bodybuilding, but I wasn't thinking competitive bodybuilding. And um, so I had uh, got myself right, hired some coaches. I uh, got myself as far as I could, and I had some coaches get me a little further. And uh, I was single for a few years and then had met my wife now. Uh, we actually met on Instagram, which is crazy. Uh, I live in East Coast, USA. She lived in West Coast, Canada. You know, couldn't be further apart, which is wild. That's a whole nother story. Um, she was a bikini uh, bodybuilder. And so, you know, I was fit now and my mom was all fitness so like our goals aligned 
I was I was very interested in her competitions, uh, what she was doing, and saw her transformations and evolve, and I was I was really impressed. And so once uh, she moved and we we lived together, um, it was that year that I said I think I want to compete, and um, which was wild, you know, because um, I, I always had in my mind I just want to prove I could do it. And after I did it, I was like, okay, yeah, I want to keep going. Uh, a few shows later, got on the national stage, um, but she was she was really the the motivation for me behind it because I, I that was the first actual um, inside look I got at what a competitor looks like. And I always had that competitive spirit, you know. I was always competing in sports, and now you know I play golf, but not so much anymore. But I used to play golf more, especially in a sales role. I always that competitive nature always stayed with me. You know, I'm older, 40 years old. And there's, you know, I don't go out and play basketball or anything on the weekends or play football. So it's like, you know, this gave me a level of competition outside of business that I could really personally drive myself to see, well, how far can I take my my own body? How how far can I take this myself? I like this. So where did the discipline come from? Did did, and where did you learn it? Did you get a coach? Like, talk to me a little bit about how you actually structured your life because you do it for a lot of individuals now. I think you structure their fitness life and their bodybuilding life. How did you start the journey on your own so you gain the expertise basically doing what you didn't do now? You know, discipline was always there. Um, I, I can't recall any time in my life that I can remember that I, I didn't set a plan and go get it. I mean, even when I was a teenager, so I, I can't really put uh, uh, my thumb on something and say, you know, I worked on discipline or I tried to learn how to have discipline. Like I, I've always, from what I can remember, that that was somehow instilled in me for for whatever reason. Uh, so that that part was really easy for me. Um, so, you know, getting in through through the process of hiring coaches, learning from that my own education and just constant re-education or constant personal development in the fitness space and nutrition, you know, putting myself through my own plans, you know, trying to, okay, I'm going to, I want to bulk up. I want to, I want to do it without getting more than 16% body fat. And I would measure that and want to cut back down. I want to get here. And then, um, so I, I proved a lot of my own processes on myself, uh, before I tried to reach out and start helping other people. But and still today, I hire a coach anytime I compete because I don't I don't want that stress. I don't want that. Um, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. Okay, am I doing this, doing that? I don't need you know at a competitive level. You need zero stress. You need rest. You need to work out. You need to eat. You need to go about your life, and you need to rest as much as possible because you know the stress levels create um you know a reflection into your cortisol which can cause you to hold water it can change your body structure so you know, i don't i didn't need any of that so i still hire a coach uh, anytime i step on stage now but that that's kind of how you know my self development played into it and to, and then to uh take what i learned from other coaches with my own research and start helping other people i love it i and this is just you know, and I think just for the audience, we're talking about Body by Brownies, the company that you're forming in food, but you also have branched, you also branched out, left the mining business and created Unlimited, 
uh, T-I-D-D, just like add your last name, that's unlimited. Uh, at the at the end there, T-I-D-D, just for everyone in the audience, uh, solutions. Talk to me about that transition really quickly because you went from an entrepreneur to an entrepreneur. That was your first sort of step into the entrepreneurial world. Why did you do it? You worked so hard, all those plans to get to a board seat, to be number two, and then you're like, I'm out. Like um, with when your whole goal was never to be number one and now you're number one. <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird how it happens sometimes, but uh, I was ready. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to get to the business, the coaching business. I did it on a side uh, up until I was in a good spot financially uh, and when I was really, truly ready to be that number one. I was secure about it and, and I was willing to take the risk. So that, yeah, that, that was, that was a lot of fun, uh, and scary <laughs> for me to do that. So now it was to transition there. And then, you know, now, now it's all of a sudden more ideas to cultivate more products in that fitness space, because fitness has truly become a big passion for me. And, you know, it's, it's interesting how people say, follow your passion. And for so many years, you know, sales is still a big part of me, but I think my passion was, you know, uh, money and power and growth and, you know, selling and marketing. And then it turned into fitness and, you know, I love it. I mean, that's the thing. And it's turned into fitness to helping people. And I guess when I was a kid, like I always kind of had that in me is, you know, I would, I'd go to camps as a counselor and help kids and um, things like that. So uh, inspiring other people, helping other people, has always been something that it's, you know, kind of a give back and it makes me feel good. Um, Now what I've learned is there's really, yeah, I get text messages on the daily from people that, you know, go through my program. They've been on blood pressure medication uh, that they're off their blood pressure medication or, you know, their, their cholesterol is in line and, you know, their marriage is saved or they're having, you know, better love life and like, Wow. So for, for me, it's like changing lives is, is really, really a wonderful give back, a wonderful feeling. So it's it's moved from a passion into fitness and a passion to helping people. And it's, you know, something that I didn't see when I started, but it, now I see it and, it and it makes it even more rewarding. I love this. Um, I love this a lot because you've experienced it and now you're teaching it. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. as they would say, like it's hard to coach someone or educate someone if you've never you've never done it. It doesn't make it as believable. I think there's probably coaches out there, maybe in sports, that never actually played the sport and are coaches. Uh, I just don't see that uh, or think they might get to the higher level. At some point, they have to have experience in the game or coaching the game, uh, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. So you transition into this unlimited solutions. Fast forward a couple of years. You're now, you know, you're competing in, in bodybuilding. Explain to me the category that you compete in. Explain to me the difference between your traditional bodybuilding that I would say and sort of what you do. And I'm saying it's not traditional. I just think it's cooler in my for me as an outsider. And I don't bodybuild. I'm a CrossFitter. I'm like all warrior here trying to and I am talking to Justin just so the audience knows I need to put on about 20 pounds of muscle I'm told for a tv show so I'm like 
CrossFit's not doing that for me. I need a professional. So I am working with Justin and about to start a program with him. Him and I have talked a little bit about it. So I will. I am verifying him as well and, and validating what he does. But because um, I've seen the results from the people around him. It's crazy, by the way, just to add that plug. Where I don't even remember my question anymore. I lost it. I was like, all thinking about how I'm going to try to put on 20 pounds of muscle. And um, talk to me about the transition from, or actually, yes, talk to me about the bodybuilding and the competitions and the category you're in. Um, Because I think it's different and I think it's cool. And I don't think a lot of people realize this category exists uh, outside of the bodybuilding world. Yeah, men's physique is the is the um, the division, and so it was created maybe no no more than maybe like ten years ago. So it's fairly new in the bodybuilding industry. <clears throat> uh, you know, everybody always remembers the Arnold Schwarzenegger and you know, the big guys. You know, and the heavyweights and the classic build. <clears throat> Excuse me, and so. When people think bodybuilding, they always think that, right? That's what we see the most on TV and these bigger guys. In my division, it's it's more to be what they want to be is is more like a beach body guy look. Um, they want wide shoulders, they want a big back, they want a really tight abs, really small waist, and then we wear board shorts. Uh, they they don't judge us on the legs, however you got to look proportionate. So if you don't have legs that filling out the shorts, then it, it can go against you. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the category uh, we're in. So the other divisions, you know, where the, the smaller shorts or the, the speedo type things, and they, they judge your glutes and everything and more muscle mass. So yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It, it requires the training a little differently. I got to make sure my shoulders are nice and wide. My back's really big. My chest is full. My abs are really tight. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it, and it's not what I thought it was. And I just think it's such a cool category, and just how proportional everything is, and the work that you put in, and and all of those things. I think is pretty awesome. So, how do you get to a brownie company? Like, where does this come from? I know you mentioned your s- southern mother, and you know, and baking brownies, and a connection with her, but. Why protein brownies? Why in a space that I feel like everyone's trying to put protein in everything? Why this? You obviously know it works, but what is it serving for you also? Why did why are you even making brownies? You know, I I eat so much protein every day. And um, you know, when, when things are strict or even when I'm trying to maintain, you know, I when when it's strict, okay, now now I can have a shake. That's about it because not even protein bars will, will do what I need it to. But the daily person is not competing. And the daily person is trying to be fit, trying to be healthy. And, you know, I want to figure out, okay, for the other nine months that I don't compete and I eat healthy foods, you know, I eat eggs and chicken and steak and salmon and whitefish and turkey and greens and rice and sweet potatoes. Like I, I eat the same thing every day. I'm cool with it, but there's always, you know, I have that sweet tooth and a lot of people I know have that sweet tooth. And so when they go to fulfill that sweet tooth, what do they go for? 
and it's typically not a protein product because you know most pro most protein products that have the high protein they taste a little chalky or dry um, but the protein products and baked goods that do taste really good are packed full of sugar and i'm talking 20 36 grams of sugar uh is typically what they have but they taste great so how can we create a product that tastes great but doesn't have all the sugar in it and so that's when i asked her look you're sitting at home you're you're retired my dad's retired um can you come up with this brownie because your brownies are awesome but can you make it awesome with protein and as little amount of sugar as possible now i challenged her with five grams or less and she came in at 0.8 so less than one gram of sugar and and they taste amazing so she's figured it out like i said her her southern recipe and baking like it's it's off the chart and is so good so that's really where it was it, the best thing i've ever tasted that she's made was a brownie so it satisfies a sweet tooth from that just normal person trying to live a fit and healthy life maintain and be able to have a dessert but have the protein in it so it can be used as more or less a meal replacement it has eight grams of carbs so it's it's really um, not a high carb product so i mean you could have one of these and still have a banana or something else to fulfill that meal or you can just eat this as a low carb low sugar high protein meal in itself it's incredible. I think this is going to go a lot of places. I mean, any fitness athlete, whether you're a bodybuilder, you're a crossfitter, you're a soccer player, you're a basketball player, it does not matter if you're just a person that's trying to be healthy. I mean, the stats on this are ridiculous. There's 25 grams of protein uh, in a single portion. And like you said, less than a gram of sugar. That's mm -hmm. phenomenal. I mean, and I've been in the food game a long time, and I'm always trying to make food healthier, uh, but also more appealing, but also giving it the proper nutrition and vitamins and protein that we need, and you seem to be on to something here. Um, talk to me a little bit about what other people have said about it. I know you've been traveling around with it. I know... When I met you uh, at the competition, well, I had already been talking to you, and we were at a time in Arite together for a little bit. But the the when I came to your event and and we actually talked and I had dinner with your family and your support system, like you have a huge support system. I want to talk about that a little bit. But you were trying all the brownies. Like, what have been the reaction of of the individuals or the humans that have tried your brownies? So far, it's a, the the number one thing that everybody says is I can't believe there's that much protein or any protein in it. Like it it doesn't taste like a healthy product whatsoever. So that that's probably the biggest thing. And I've got customers now that uh, <laughs> I mean they can do what they want, but they're eating two a day. <laughs> I mean they're they're replacing meals because they love it. They have big sweet tooths. Um, but yeah, that's the biggest thing that people come back with as well. Like this is this really tastes like a dessert. Like I, I I really can't understand how there's that much protein in it, and so they love it. I, I gave it to uh, one of my neighbors uh, last night, and and it was funny. I mean, I I thought he barely left the front door of my house, and uh, he had texted me and said, "Dude, 
the the I can't believe these are protein brownies. Are you serious? He sends me a picture and he had already eaten it because he, he got his daughter and they ate it together and she was in college and she works out. Um so it's just those those are the constant comments I get back that that people just they're they're overwhelmed and excited the fact that we brought a product to the market that, you know, is healthy and and uh and tastes like a dessert. Yeah. I love it. Uh, for anyone in the audience, you can find them on Instagram at body.buy.brownies. Um, I'll put the link in the episode notes. You can also find them online, bodybybrownies.com. So, Justin, as we sort of start wrapping up things here, I know we talked a little bit about this. This Your career, your entrepreneurship, we talked about unlimited solutions. We now have Body by Brownies. You're starting to get in this swing of things. You're starting to get multiple streams of revenue and, and ways of building a business. We talked a little bit about you were just in Miami for a while. Uh, I was go- we were going to try to see each other on my way back from Nashville as I went back up to New York, um, New York City, and Pennsylvania. But we sort of missed each other because I got delayed, and then you went on this trip. What what is it that you were doing in Miami? Because I think it's important for the audience to understand sort of what we're talking about here and i and i think this body by brownies concept and getting into food is part of this expansion for you so Mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about what's going on there and the changes that are going on uh, in your business and in your life so the last six years when i I dove into fitness nutrition coaching um they've been great you know i've I've had so many clients I, I, i still have clients that's been with me since i started up six years ago um, but turning over new clients constantly, whether it's 12 week, 16 week programs, monthlies, yearlies. Um, and, you know, I have a really, really good friend, uh, Mo, that is, is, is super successful in, in what he does. And he had told me that, you know, you know, let's talk about your life. OK, uh, over the last 16 years you've managed to work from the dirt up in a company in sales to to be become a chief sales officer a board member of a multi-million uh, million dollar company um you know you've been divorced twice you figured that out you've got four kids um you know three by uh different women and one a step kid you you figured out how to have a successful marriage now raising children with different personalities from, you know, it's a completely blended family. Um, You know, you figured that out. You figured out how to do the corporate thing. You figured out how to create your own businesses. And he was like, you have so much more to offer people and uh, invited me to Miami to rebuild my whole coaching program uh, to become more of a life coach, to bring out, you know, the mindset, um, you know, and talk about even spirituality on a certain level. Um, but relationships, fitness and nutrition. And, you know, it was really interesting uh, talking with him because, you know, but in front of all of it is is the, pe- the reason some people fail in even fitness and nutrition is it, it, it's all built around mindset. So the, the reason people can't get become successful and whether it's something they want to do or where they're wanting to go. Uh, it breaks down to a mindset issue. So really personal development and becoming a life coach is is something I want to offer and bring out because there's so much that I've experienced. And like you had said earlier, you know, by, by actually experiencing that and knowing how to get through it to be able to coach someone else, 
uh, he had told me, you know, you're being selfish by not sharing this with, with other people and helping other people. So that, that's what I spent 10 days in Miami uh, to redevelop that, that product. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to convince you that we should also go into the direct-to-consumer food business at some point and put your meals and your eating lifestyle in, right into people's laps. Not only have them do it, but we'll do it for them. We're going to talk about that at some point because you're just the right person for that and your business that you're building and creating an entire lifestyle for the humans. Like Many, many humans as entrepreneurs in the audience n- – they need to be told they don't have the discipline that we're talking about that Justin has or I've had. There's the lack of discipline in life and they often need individuals like us or like Justin to at least start them on that road, if not keep them on that road. Okay, Some people learn it and they can take the training wheels off and great, they can ride the bike. But generally what I found is individuals, the coaching, the mentoring, even if they outgrow coach or mentor, they need to then leapfrog into another one because they need someone to hold them accountable. There's very few individuals, very few A-list, I will call them A-lister entrepreneurs that have the discipline to hold themselves accountable, okay? And what I mean by that is picking the right friend groups, picking the right support systems, picking the right people in your life. That's how you hold yourself accountable. A lot of individuals need a coach or someone to hold themselves accountable because they're not willing to change their life. They're not willing to change their relationships. So they need an external person to really hold them accountable. Where A-listers are constantly changing and rotating and learning and the individuals that are in that support system are doing the same thing so they all understand that they grow, sometimes outgrow each other, sometimes grow in different directions. So just... If you're a person or you're trying to find your way in life and you want to be an entrepreneur and you're struggling or you're hitting plateaus, Justin is the right guy. His programming, his fitness, physical fitness, mental fitness, all matter in achieving your goals. Okay, We often looked at entrepreneurs in the 80s and 90s and it wasn't what it is and as popular as it is today, but they certainly don't, they didn't have physical appearance. Okay, And by that, I don't mean they didn't have nice clothes or they didn't have nice cars. What I mean is they didn't look good. Okay, They didn't look good. They didn't work on their body. They didn't work on their body and thus their mindset. And they didn't have that same discipline. There's a a whole other level of discipline when you're successful and you add in the physical fitness. Okay, So big deal. You want to get to the next level. You want to go from, you know, seven figures to eight figures in your businesses or as a human or eight figures to nine figures. Physical fitness, things like 75 hard or things that give you discipline or what Justin's offering, those matter. And when you can't figure it out yourself, I've always been an athlete my whole life, soccer player, crossfitter. I'm a lean, lean human. But guess what? Now I have to put on 20 pounds of muscle. Okay, it's not typically something I've done because I see myself as a warrior. I need to be in the best physical shape possible. I need to be able to keep running a mile under seven minutes like I do. But now I have to transition because I have a requirement because I'm trying to do a TV show. So things change, but I need outside opinion. So guess what? This is one of those scenarios where I need someone to teach me the game. I need someone else to hold me accountable right now while I learn how to do this. Okay, so that's what we're talking about here. So, Justin, 
Sorry about the long uh, winded response there, but where are you hoping all of this goes? And the next part of the question is, how does this support system around you, they travel with you when you go compete, how does this matter to you and how have these individuals come into your life? So it's two parts, where is this going and and your support system? Uh, I'll start with the support system. So, you know, it, it matters a lot. You know, a lot of people, when, when you go to compete, um, it's, you know, it's flashy. It's, you know, people are like, wow, because the body changes so much and it's, you know, becoming fat free more or less. And so all the muscles define, but they see you show up every day, day after day, doing two rounds of cardio, doing two hours of workouts, and they're so impressed. And, you know, people get in, in really involved in your journey. And so a lot of people will be, you know, oh, I'm coming to the show. I'm, I'll be there. I'm going to support you, right? I would say 20% of the people that probably tell me they're coming don't come or, or show up. I mean, 20% show up. And so there's so many people that, that want to be there. And, you know, you get to the point where it's like, yeah, okay, you know, cool. If you show up, you show up. So it's it, when you actually get there and you know i'm focused on that but afterwards and i see all the people that's that's made the trip that's you know in some cases um for the one in new york that you came to you know i had people flying from florida to watch i had people flying from west virginia to watch um i mean these people you know they they took their time which is massive and then you know spent money to come up and spend a few days uh, just to just to watch and hang out and support and you know show the love and so you know that means a lot to me um, that it, it's you know I've been to shows where you know two people showed up to support me and I've been to shows now to where you know over twenty people showed up to support me which is which which is huge um, but that also defines the the circle of support that over the years I've, I've been able to create around me and the people that are loyal and you know, people I know I can go to and people that can come to me and, um, how we look out and show up for each other. Um, you know, constantly auditing those circles of uh, people around you. And you had mentioned earlier about, you know, personal development and growth and growing with the right people. Um, you know, that, that, that shows that it, that I've done a lot of right things and that th those people have done a lot of right things and we can, we can really count on one another. Now, where is it going to go? Um, you know, I'm going to keep doing it. I, I love, I love helping people. I know doors open as things happen and opportunities constantly open. If, you know, you've mentioned being physically fit, how that impacts things and, you know, that number one, it will create more money. It will create opportunity. It will create a better business. If you own your own business, um, it creates a lot of respect because the discipline that comes along with that people recognize that on the front end. Um, so I'm going to keep pushing forward, keep helping as many people as I can grow this, this life coaching business and, you know, whatever opportunities come up, I'll weigh those opportunities and see what happens. Um, now with the body by brownies, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not naive into the fact that, you know, my mom's, uh, you know, mid sixties and she ain't going to be around a long time. Uh, so where I want that to go is, you know, within maybe three years, I want to build that company and sell it off. That's that's full transparency of what we would like to do. Um, so, you know, let her 
have her piece that that she's worked so hard for here over the few years and and take her years of experience of baking and you know have her uh, have her own little success there so yeah that's that's where i'm wanting it to go i love it um justin where can they find you personally online where can they find your different businesses online um things like that yep um so online justintid.com and last name is t-i-d-d two d's um instagram tid underscore justin um you know, Body by Brownies, you, you mentioned that website already, bodybybrownies.com and the Instagram also. And then for people that are going through 75 hard, I've also created a product uh, called 75 Diet because 75 hard doesn't involve a nutrition plan. So I've created a nutrition plan to walk somebody through 75 days. So that, that has its own uh, website called 75diets.com. Um, but yeah. Life coaching, if you're wanting one-on-one with me, it's, it's uh, justinkid.com. I love that on the diets, by the way. I did not know that, but I love that idea. They just dropped something on me I didn't know about you. And uh, I do <laughs> love that, actually, because it is so key. Because I think, for me, it's the easiest piece because I'm in food and I understand my body and have been in nutrition and health and hospital food and health food and direct-to-consumer health food my entire life, that working life for sure and farming and all that but i think for a lot of people that's the hardest thing the hardest thing about 75 hard for me always is remembering to take my picture i don't know why i just don't have the vanity thing i guess i mean i do look at myself in the mirror don't get me wrong but i just always forget to take a picture of myself i don't know why that's where i've always struggled or missed a day uh, stereotypically and had to start over but is there anything, Justin, you want to give to the audience as an entrepreneur, as a coach, as a human that maybe we didn't touch upon? It could be about relationships. It could be about fitness. It could be about entrepreneurship, uh, whatever it is. It could be about family. It, it doesn't matter to me, um, but I just want to give you the time and the mic. Um, and since our audience is worldwide, you know, anything that you, you want to say um, or leave impact or influence, uh, please take the time to do so. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, so there's, there's really two laws, I guess I live by, I, I call it law cause I've created my own personal laws here. And number one is be a good person. Um, so, you know, whether you're religious or not religious, you know, in whatever religion you are in, um, I, I do believe at the heart of the stories of all of them, it's, it's all surrounded by be a good person. Uh, and the same thing by if you're not religious, that's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, be a good person. And that's helping people. That's you know doing what you say you're going to do. Show up. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't kill. Right? I mean, it's, it's be a good person. And, um, and number two, it's live with intention. And that's, that's kind of my motto that I've, I've coined a few years back. And, you know, we talked about you know, how to plan for a year or three years and break it down and do all that. Now, what I'm saying is how to live intentionally. And that's with a plan. So you're doing everything intentionally rather than uh, just waking up what today is going to bring or making a few notes the night before that, that you honestly are intentionally living your life. Because, you know, average age is I think in the USA for men's like 68 for women or 65 women, 68. Uh, if that holds true, 
then I'm more than halfway through my life. That means that I only have roughly 26-ish years on average left. So I'm I'm going ahead and planning as if I'm going to die at 66. So if I get anything above that, then that's just icing on the cake because now I've outlived the average. Um, you know, if I die before that, I die before that. Like I don't know when that's going to happen, but I'm at least going to intentionally live my life from now until the day I'm done. And so that's every day showing up, making your 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 action items, showing up for your family, showing up for yourself is, is one of the most important things. Uh, but yeah, live intentionally. Very cool, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate all your time today and chatting beforehand and having patience as we got things started here and had some hiccups uh, here in the studio. But I appreciate you, Justin. You're a good friend. You, you're a really good friend to me. I'm glad I showed up um, at that competition. Uh, like I said, um, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry I missed the one in Pittsburgh and had the family emergency, but I am planning on obviously supporting you. I believe in what you're doing. Um, really, I believe in a lot of the entrepreneurs that come in this show, and I try to make efforts to go into all their businesses and give back for what I've been given in my own entrepreneurial journey. And now I'm building businesses again. So it's interesting how I thought I was sort of out of the building business game and, and life just sucks me right back in. And so I'm trying to give back at the same time as, as well as build businesses. But one of the things that you really said that's really true to me is, you know, there is this living with intent. You have to live a lifestyle that is accomplishing your goals. You only get one shot at those. It's not about necessarily balance. Okay. I don't know. I know a lot of people talk about it. I think I just saw an email come across my desk not too long ago today about balance. I haven't read it yet uh, from Andy Frisella. So if anyone's on his email list, I think there's a thing about that as well, which is kind of interesting. We're talking about it a little bit here. But if you don't go after those goals, if you don't try to achieve those things, you'll get to 66, have something happen to you in this example, and regret not doing things. Because balance, a lot of the things that you do, quote unquote, for balance, time in front of the TV, time playing golf or whatever, you don't really remember those times unless there's it's with a significant person or doing something special. So you've got to be present in your moments, but that's also take the time when you're with your family. And what I found to be successful is quantity doesn't necessarily mean I got to give five hours today and then none the rest of the week. No, it's time every day and it's disciplined in there. And maybe it's only 15, 20 minutes every day. Maybe it doesn't even add up to that normal five hours, but it's that quantity of time based on the daily discipline, the little steps that I'm talking about. Time with homework, time with soccer practices, time then still modeling for the people around you living a disciplined life and living a good life. Because if we don't do that, there's no point in our achievements. If we're achieving things but not leading by example or doing them in a way that inspires and influences others, it is pointless in our life. Okay, we didn't really make any impact. We maybe gained some money, but you don't take that with you. Okay, and I'm not saying we shouldn't achieve money and we shouldn't have legacies and we shouldn't have build fortunes. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just thinking to for everyone. I'm thinking out loud. Is if we're going to do it, 
do it holistically, do it altruistically, and make it worth something. We're doing it anyway, so give it your all. And the balance that you have in life is knowing that you're giving it all to your family, to your to your sport, to your lifestyle, to your business, whatever it is. But there is no taking the foot off the gas to find balance. I have never find that ever in my life to be successful. And when I do, it leads to weird insecurities. It leads to, to things happening. It leads to business partners and people taking advantage and people seeing you let off your foot off the gas and you stop inspiring people. You stop leading people. Okay. So in those periods, what I call valleys in my life, I will say just to anchor this conversation with Justin, that when you let your foot off the gas, you no longer inspire people. Your businesses do not do as well. People do not follow you as the leader as much as they can or should. Your support system will change because people will outgrow you when you let your foot off the gas. Your family, your spouse will outgrow you if you let your foot off the gas. Okay? We don't we talk about divorces and differences in people, but as someone who's been through them, it's usually because the other person lets their foot off the gas and the other person outgrows them. Just saying. There's a lot of other things, insecurities, things we do, but at the end of the day, a growing couple, a growing relationship, a growing family, a growing business, if done positively, will succeed. But there's got to be that unity and there's got to be that discipline. So, and that intention of living to the fullest while you're doing it. Uh, It sounds crazy because you think there's balance in there somewhere, but I don't know that. I don't know that word. It doesn't seem to be something I even put in my mind because I'm not trying to achieve it. <laughs> so, um, Justin, um, do you have any comments on that before before we get off? No, you said it all great. I, I couldn't agree with you more on everything you just said. And uh, at the end of the day, I go to bed at night and I may probably don't even, I maybe watch TV here and there as I'm working out uh, some nights. Uh, but if I'm on the rower or I'm on the bike, but generally, I don't feel I'm missing out on life because I don't watch the news or I don't watch a TV show, okay, which is funny because I am working on a TV show. But the point of the TV show is to be actually give everyone education here and exposure and experience in the world and not just have people blankly sit in front of the television. So I just want to anchor that for everyone. And thank you, everyone, for listening in again. Thank you for listening to Justin's story. If you like what you've heard, you like Justin you know Justin, or you even really appreciate his story and got something out of it. There were tons of nuggets of information that you guys are seeds you guys should go plant in your own life and grow. Please give us a review. Please, five stars, comments, rate the podcast, however many stars. Like That's how we get the word out there and word of mouth. Tell other entrepreneurs, tell people in the food game about what you're hearing here because it is making a difference. That is why it's in over 140 countries around the world. So thank you again for everyone listening in. I love you guys tons. I love all the comments, the DMs, the questions. I I try to get them out to the viewers when they're appropriate. And all those out there reaching out to me to be on the show, please continue to do so. I will get with you, my assistant or I, We'll DM you to get you on the show. Uh, I appreciate all the interest. We're trying to fill the calendar uh, and continue to move forward. So I appreciate you guys. And that's all I have to say today. If you want to find us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram. If you want to DM us at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. Thank you guys. We're out.